Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, all alone today. Our guest on this on the show today is Evie Pomporis. Now, she is the author of Becoming Bulletproof, but more importantly, she's a former uh, special agent with the, the U.S. Secret Service. We are going to talk all about how to become bulletproof yourself, how to thrive in adversity. Obviously, something we all need right now while we are in quarantine, while we are dealing with this virus, viral pandemic. We need to know how to thrive in adversity because this is adversity. So we're going to talk about all, all about the psychological mindset of how to deal with with difficult situations, how to deal with trauma. Uh, she is an expert in all of those things. So please stick around for that. But first, John is going to tell us a little bit about our sponsor that I want to thank for today's show, which is Rocket Mortgage from Quicken Loans. Thank you so much to Rocket Mortgage from Quicken Loans for making today's spot possible. And here is John with a little message from them. Home today is so much more than it was yesterday. But at Rocket Mortgage, home is still all about you. During these challenging times, the top priority at Rocket Mortgage is the health and safety of the communities they serve. And one thing that will never change is their team's commitment to giving you the best mortgage experience possible. That's why if you need mortgage support, their team of experts is there to answer questions and offer solutions. They understand that hardships happen and they are here to help. Whether that means working with you to save money on your mortgage or finding a new way to navigate payments. If you have questions, the team at Rocket Mortgage has answers. They know how important your home is to you because you're important to them. If you need mortgage assistance, the home loan experts at Rocket Mortgage are available to help 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. From their home to yours, the team at Rocket Mortgage is with you. Visit rocketmortgage.com to learn more. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Once again, thank you to Rocket Mortgage from Quicken Loans. You guys are awesome. Here, without further ado, is Evie Pomporis with uh, some amazing stuff about how to, how to thrive during this pandemic. Evie Pomporis, a former special agent, but most importantly, uh, in, in the U.S. Secret Service, most importantly, author of the new book, Becoming Bulletproof. Thank you so much for being a part of our show today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so your book is all about protecting yourself, reading people. Uh, in fact, that's the subtitle, Protect Yourself, Read People, Influence Situations, and Live Fearlessly. Uh, the, the whole angle is really that if you can understand and control yourself in stressful situations, you actually live a better life. Um, but one of the concepts is to prepare for the unexpected. And I feel like, how could we have prepared for the situation that we're in right now? Like, how do you, how do you anticipate the unexpected like this? So for something like this, I think a lot of people do not expect something like this to happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but, but you, the idea is to have resilience. And when you, you create resilience through going through difficult problems and adversity. So when we live in an environment and I think we kind of have an environment where everyone's like, I want stress free. I don't want to deal with adversity. I don't want obstacles. Or when obstacles do arise in our lives, we, we, we look at them in such a negative way rather than looking at them as obstacles are good, problems are good, adversity is good. Because when you deal with them, you become stronger, you become more resilient, you become a better problem solver. So that when big stuff like this happens, which this is big, yeah. you're not completely demolished by it. It doesn't overtake you. And that's the key thing. And that, that is really like when you look at elite training academies like, for example, the U.S. Secret Service, what they did, and it's, it's called a hermetic effect, where you expose somebody to small increments of stress. And over a period of time, you increase these amounts of stress. And what you make that person become adaptable. 
that when stress is introduced or bigger stresses are introduced, you're not completely overtaken by them. It, it, it almost works ironically. It works like a vaccine works. <laughs> when you lo- introduce a low-dose virus into the body, the body com- creates antibodies. It, it deals with the vaccine, and then you become immune to it. That is a hermetic effect. And it works not just in that physical sense, but it works in our mental, you know, it, cognitively, emotionally, it helps us stay safe. And so when we have something like this happen, you're not completely like at a loss. You're like, all right, I've dealt with adversity. I've dealt with problems. How do I manage this? And it's, it's also not about dealing with, you don't want to be that worrier, right, in life where it's like, oh, I worry about this happening, mm-hmm. about that happening. We don't want that. But you also want to be that person who is not, I don't want to say overly optimistic. Optimistic is good, but to a point. You don't want to live in this world like, I'm going to make this plan and everything's going to go perfectly. And I'm positive it's going to happen this way because when it doesn't happen this way and you don't plan for the what ifs or the possibilities that it could go wrong because it, it likely will in life, then you're not able to pivot and adapt and you become completely overwhelmed and panic driven. You I mean, become completely fear-based. Th- then that sounds like the old adage, right? Where it's um, uh, uh, it, prepare for the worst, but expect the best. Right, where you want to find that balance where you are ready and aware of your surroundings enough to deal with the worst situation, but you're optimistic enough and positive enough to, to have a, a cheery outlook on life? Yeah. So look at it, I look at it this way. When, when I would do the plan for, the, for a president, right, we would put a security plan in place. We did everything we could to be proactive, all the things we put together in place to make sure it was successful. And, but if somebody said to me, are you absolutely sure nothing's going to go wrong, then nothing will happen. I could never say that because I, it just, it wasn't true. I wouldn't know. I'd say, look, I put all these things in place and I'm pretty confident that this is a strong plan that I put in place. However, if something does go wrong, I'm also prepared for that too. And when you, when you also live that way, you are by proxy more confident and it's really just the ability to be overprepared and preparedness and knowledge gives you confidence. And then when things go wrong, because they will go wrong, it just will you're going to see like, what's your character going to be? Are you going to be that strong person? And we know those people in uh, in life sometimes that things go wrong and they're able to kind of stand strong. And then there's other folks when things don't go right, we see them completely collapse. And so how do we learn from that so that we're not the latter? Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like, boy, is that a poignant concept right now. Like, you know, you talk about these things uh, in your book and you talk about them as a, as a former special agent. But boy, is that a poignant, it, it feels ethereal for 90% of us, right? Most of us, most of us uh, b- prior to this would have gone about our lives with, with moderate adversity, but for the most part, plodding along with more or less predictable variation in our lives. And this has created such a stark difference for us that, that I feel like concepts like, like preparing yourself mentally uh, are, are really, really poignant right now. My only problem is that this idea of incremental adversity is is great if we had if if I had talked to you six months ago, what do we do now that we are in extreme adversity quickly? Is there a way that you can under new stress prepare your mind and reorient your mind? Are there any good tips for that well with with specifically with what we're dealing with now is we don't want to sit and obsess over the problem meaning. Am I going to get, there's only certain things you can control, whether COVID's going to happen, no matter what, right. like it's happening. And so we can't control that. 
But it's about looking at what you can control and not being fixated on the thing you can't control. And sometimes we get fixated on the problem that we have no power to solve. And being able to say, okay, well, I can't control whether I will or won't get COVID to a point or whether this pandemic's going to happen. It's happening. And we are all in this together, Mm -hmm. the whole wide world. Right. But what you can look at is what can I do to help my situation? So making sure I wear my mask, making sure I wash my hands, making sure I take care of my family, making sure we have food, making sure, you know what, doing some good and helping my neighbor, helping other people. Those are all the things that you can control. And those are very powerful things because when you're able to find power in these other areas, then you don't feel powerless overall. But if I'm sitting watching the news 24 hours a day and all I'm watching it is all the negativity because the news is going to give you the bad stuff. I I know I did the news for quite a a while. Mm -hmm. And they're going to tell you that stuff. And you're also putting yourself in the psychological mindset, the psyche of negativity when you're getting this constant barrage of bad news. So also manage the information that you're absorbing. Watch the news or read your social media, get briefed, and then turn it off. Be right. productive. Move on with your day. Do other things. And that, that's the other thing. Manage what is coming into your space. Call other people. Connect with other people if you're struggling. And don't go at it alone, For especially for people that maybe are our home alone. It can feel very isolating. You can feel that this is just happening to you. Reach out to other people. Reach out to other people who manage fear and panic well mm-hmm. so that they can influence how you're managing it, right? And, and so those are all the things that are in your space that you can control. The other thing is adapt to the right now. Don't think about, I can't wait till this is over or it will be over. But when we're, we're just looking to the end. We're not focusing on the present. And now it's about adapting to new routines, And quite a few people are doing well. You and I were just speaking about the microphone and working from home and how do we set that stuff up. It's your ability to adapt to your circumstances right now, to live in the truth, to live live in your reality. Yeah, I mean, and I think the the hard part is that so many of us have been trained uh, in the opposite, right? We have been trained to think about solely about the future, about planning. Uh, I mean, I I think I think what you said earlier was was a really good point, which is. You want to plan strongly. You want to educate yourself. You want to take care of yourself in certain ways. But you also want to be able to uh, understand that the plan will go awry. And I think so far, so few of us really prepared ourselves mentally for the fact that our course would deviate, right? And I think, but you know, but you, you know what it is though. Like you don't, you didn't need to plan for COVID. You right. didn't need to plan for a pandemic, right? It's really about are you that are. Uh, do you want to be that person who adapts when there's a problem? And when we talked about stress before, any stress, reasonable amounts of stress, can be a positive thing for you. So when you deal with stress, don't look at it like, oh my God, why is this happening to me? Look at it, this is happening, and this is a good thing because I can learn from it. This is a challenge I can overcome. And so it may, you may not have experience with any type of decontamination plans or anything like right. that, which we would do for our protectees. We always We did think about stuff like this chemical, biological attacks, how do we protect the person we're protecting? Mm -hmm. How do we protect the public if they're exposed? But in the end, it's really the framework and the process in which your mind functions. That's it because then you know what happens? No matter what problem comes your way, you're used to the process of, I don't get stuck in the problem. I can move forward to the solution. Right. But how can we, I mean, you're a superhero, right? You, no, you, you, I'm not. <laughs> but you did, you, you know, you, you got bit by a radioactive spider that was your training. 
and and you are the person like if we're casting a movie right now you're the one that we follow in the first act and then all of a sudden the stuff hits and you're the person that that just flourishes under adversity so uh i guess you know i, I guess i what, just had more exposure to it that's all it is right but so, so just had, but it's something you can learn and that i think that's what's the most important thing i i don't want people to feel like oh it's the radioactive spider it's not because I'm like anybody else, I did not come from a law enforcement family. I didn't know the first thing about any of this stuff. Look, all I had was the passion and heart to help other people and to go into this field. But after that, everything can be learned. Everything is learned and it's creating new habits. It's not a big thing, a big, a big process. There's one thing that I can give you or these two things that I can give you mm-hmm. to do and voila, you're gonna come out a superhero. You know what makes us a superhero? It's the day-to-day things, the habits that we cultivate in our day-to-day routine that over a period of time accumulate, and that is what makes us resilient. It's not difficult to do, but it's are you consistent? You know what's And so, are you going to... Yes. No, you, what's so disappointing is I have talked to so many experts in so many different fields, and the advice that they give uh, almost universally if you want to be better at something, if you want to be exceptional at something, is to make small choices every day for a long period of time until you realize that you've gained expertise. Like that is honestly the mo- some of the most common advice I've ever gotten. And, and also uh, to track it. So, so if you are trying to become a better X, Y, or Z, you need to mark every day the amount of X, Y, or Z that you are doing in order to become better at whatever it is that you want to be. And that is, um, that is such good, sound advice but it is, it, I mean, consistent work is literally the hardest advice, advice to take. It's like, but, uh, but you know what? It's, it's being, but it's being aware of it. Right. I, I want to give you a trick. This is what I, I do this every night. I'm a big nighttime routine person. I know a lot of people have morning routines. I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a nighttime routine person. Every night I have a notepad by my bed on the dresser. And every night I write in this notepad three things I need to make sure I do the next day mm. that are important to me. And just three things. I don't, what we do sometimes is we overwhelm ourselves and we right. do too many things. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then we miss the mark and then we feel like failures. And almost without exception, I almost always list the same things. I'm not going to have um, a cappuccino blast, which is a sugary drink that I know is totally bad for me. I love it. It's from Baskin <laughs> Robbins. That's my advice. You know, that's my thing. I'm like, I won't have this tomorrow. Um, I will work out tomorrow and I will meditate tomorrow. Mm. I just pick those three things. And, right. and and usually they change a little bit, but essentially it's always about my health and my body. Right. Um, and then maybe I'll put something like a, a, a to-do thing if, I, if it's important to me. No more than three because I can attain that. Right. And when I, when also when you write it down, you almost hold yourself accountable yeah. to it. Yeah. And so it creates things incrementally. Then what happens is if you you make it a habit where every day you work out, for example, and it isn't, I'm not talking about a 40-minute workout. Just do something. Right. That becomes your habit. Now it's part of your daily routine. Now you no, no, no longer need to put it to the list. Now you can put something new to the list. Mm. Well, and what I like about the three that you pick, I mean, first of all, you, I, I imagine sometimes you have to have your cappuccino blast, right? You get to have that. I had one today. I had one today. <laughs> okay, good. I just want to make sure because like if it's on your list every day, don't have a cappuccino blast. That just sounds, it just sounds oh, no, I myself, I give myself a pass. I'll be like, you know what? Because you don't want to be so strict in life. Mm-hmm. I, I have like an 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, eat well, take care of yourself. 80% of the time, do those things you want to do. Be consistent. That way, 20% of the time, you can do those things that make you feel good or have those 
those right. those those vices or those luxuries. Because if you're so strict, you can't adhere to it. If you say to yourself, tomorrow I'm gonna start, I'm just picking this my diet and I'm not gonna have any cookies, any pasta, Ugh. any sugar, any bread. How how well do you think you're gonna do? Not very well. And honestly, you just made me hungry. <laughs> uh, right? But then but you can say, you know what, tomorrow I'm just not gonna have cookies. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, when you make when you make that one small commitment, it becomes it becomes and you, if you make it in, incrementally, it does become easier. What I like too about the the things it's that you attainable, can, it's attainable. Right, you can right. attain it. What's the what's the? It, this is a very common thing in goal setting, but it, it's got to be it, the smart goals. It's um, uh, I forget what the first S is, but measurable, attainable, repeatable, and and time sensitive. I forget what the S is though. Um, simple, I think it is. <laughs> Um, they call them smart. You see that you can that you, you can achieve them. But what I like about the three that you use as an example is that they are first and foremost, it's about your blood sugar, right? Like get not getting that blood sugar spike. Secondly, it's about taking care of your body and finally taking care of your mind. And all three of those things are actually going to make you perform every other task better. You're going to be able to focus longer. You're going to be able to uh, your, your body's going to feel better as you go through your day. So you will be better to uh, you be better prepared to handle the unexpected and the those things that are outside your plan that arise if you've done those three things. Like I find I'm a better person if I get my morning workout in always. Like you you can just tell in the quality of the work that I do in the amount of attention to detail that I provide having a morning workout, uh, the energy that I have on the air, all of that is is directly correlated with whether or not I've worked out in the morning, whether it's a jog or weightlifting, whatever it is. So I like that the three that you picked first, or the, as your examples, each coincide with this with a notion of being better prepared for whatever may come your way. So that's we, you're brand. cultivating yourself. I think sometimes what we do is we make a to do list of mm-hmm. I need to do this tomorrow mm-hmm. and that tomorrow, and that's fine. I, I have that too. I keep that kind of separate, like by my office. But as far as like when it comes to what do, what what are the big things that I need to do that will then like you said help me they cultivate your mind and body so that you can perform better. We we working out and taking care of your health is not a luxury. Like right. it's it's it should be part of your your daily process the way you look at going to a job because when that is strong and nurtured then you can function, you can pivot, you can make good decisions, you can think clearly. And you said something really important. You said, look, I'm a morning person. And I think that it's so important to pay attention to who we are because we try, we look at other people and we're like, oh, this guy does this. He works out every morning. I should work out every mm-hmm. morning. Or she works out at night. I should work out at night. It's know thyself. I'm Greek. And the ancient Greek term know, thy, know thyself really means know thyself. Know what works for you. So look from the, take from people around you like it's a buffet. Take little pieces from the people around you that you like and then implement them into your life that in a way that works for you. So don't try to be like me. Don't try to be like Gib. Try be use the things that you like that we're talking about, but then tailor them for your life. Because I can't do morning workouts. Mm-hmm. It it ruins. I, I'm I'm a nighttime person, but then I sleep well and I have all these other things. But that's because I know myself. Yeah, I want to be clear. I'm not a morning person. I'm not like jump out of your bed, jump out of bed in the morning and just like, hey, let's do it. Let's, let's attack the day. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I pull myself slowly but surely out of bed and kind of plod into my morning. But but I do know that I'm better if I do that. And what, ha- what ends up happening is it's like um, it becomes like classical conditioning. I know that as hard as it is to get out of bed, I will feel better. So I start to feel better as I get out of bed because I know what's coming. And, and it trains my body to be ready for, for the day that way. Um, and, and I think, 
I think that is that is part of the underlying notion of what of what you're getting at. Correct? Is that like you you can I, slowly I train agree. that? Absolutely. But you know what you said? You also said something. You're like, when I wake up in the morning, I'm not exactly excited to be getting out of bed. Right. When I right before I go work out at night, with I'm going to go for a run or work out in the back. I'm not sitting there. I'm like, oh, can't wait to do this. I'm right. not that person either. Right. But I, I know for me that time works the best for me. But it's I think what's also important is these tasks that we give ourselves. Somebody once asked me, like, how do you stay motivated to do all these things? And I, and I answered, I'm like, what makes you think I'm motivated all right. the time? Right. If you're if you're if I wait to be motivated to work out, I will never work out. Right. And, and I think that that's another you said something very truthful. It's like, look, I'm not excited or I'm tired or I, it's hard for me to get out of bed, but I, I go do it. And then after I do it, I realize the benefits of it. And so I look at some of the things that I do for myself as well. Like I'm not in this prime, like hooray kind mm -hmm. of mindset. I'm like, look, I don't feel like going right now. I know going will be good for me. And it's just like, I just, I'm like, put on your sneakers, just put on your sneakers. And mm -hmm. I just put on my sneakers before you know it. I'm out the door and I'm like, all right, I'm already outside. Let's do one lap. Right. One lap turns into two, two turns into three, and three turns into however many. Right. And I think that's the honesty about that because I think that that is most people. And I think when people feel like, well, I'm not inspired and I'm not motivated, I want to be like, a lot of people aren't, neither am I, but I still get it done and so can you. Right. You know, that's, it's funny is, is you, you, you hit on something there that, I, that a lot of writers I talk to say, which is... Um, uh, if I waited for inspiration to strike, I would never write. It's the it's the daily grind of writing every day, and then eventually that turns into something inspiring. But they don't they don't only write when they're inspired. And then in the same way, you shouldn't only exercise when you're feeling up to it. You shouldn't only do uh, engage in these habits when you feel motivated to do it. That's part of the motivation is just putting your running shoes on anyway, um, which I, which I think is good. But um, I think is I think it's a universal. And I think you should have this approach with almost everything you do because sometimes it's like, oh, when I'm motivated, I'll handle this problem. Or when I'm right. motivated, I'll deal with this person or this issue. It's like, good luck with that. You will never be motivated. And that's, I think, how we end up kicking the can down the road, so mm -hmm. to speak. Like we never get to it because we're waiting to be inspired. Mm -hmm. And it's like you will be waiting for a long time. And that's how moments and events pass us by. And we look right. back, we're like, oh, I wish I would have done this. Or I wish I would have tried that. Yeah. I mean, and what a great circumstance we have right now. I mean, that, that, like, we had on the show a long time ago. So there's, two, there's two people that we've had on the show that, that this kind of aligns with interestingly. Like one is um, we had uh, Michael Hyatt on the show, and he has the Full Focus Planner uh, is one of the things he's developed. And the Full Focus Planner has every day. I, I use it. Uh, he gave me one, and now I buy them from him. So he really made out okay on the on the show. But he um, the the uh, the whole concept is that you do you pick the big three things every single day that move you forward. You every day you have three things. You have a, a bigger to do list, but those three things are the big three every single day. So that's that's step one uh, that I agree with. And the other thing is we had Cal Newport on the show, and this is gonna this is a bit of a roundabout, a roundabout but he has a book out called Digital Minimalism. He's a, a, a professor at. Uh, yeah, He's at Berkeley, um, but he's a computer science professor. And Cal has, or maybe I'm just thinking because his name is Cal, he might be like Carnegie Mellon. But he, his whole thing is um, with digital minimalism is you, you, we are addicted to our phones. And his, his suggestion is to do a detox where you, you don't touch your phone at all for like a week. And then you delete all of the apps and you only add the apps back that you like. 
But I feel like this virus has forced us into our own version of a digital detox. I mean, we're all on our phones all the time now, but 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 for our whole lives, right? Where we we have now just erased every one of our apps, right? Whether it's our our Zumba class or our kids' soccer games or what have you. And now we're going to get an opportunity to slowly but surely add those things back in and decide what matters to us versus what's just kind of taking up space in our phone, aka our lives. And um, and if we can, this is such a great opportunity for each of us listening to this to figure out what those habits are that are going to move us forward and and begin to develop them the way that you're talking about, Evie. So I think I think there's some serious. Uh, this is a there's some serious timeliness. Like I know that the I'm talk, I, w- I wanted to talk about this in terms of how we. Um, how we can use your system in order to persevere through this. But I feel like we can use your system in order to come out of this a much better person. We can become bulletproof uh, in a new way for when this is over. And I know that that's not, I know that falls against living in the moment, but I do like the idea that I can use this time to build, to become a wiser person as I, as I leave. Um, It's your, it's your reboot time. You can reboot. This is your moment to reboot. And I feel like, again, it goes back to resilient minds a resilient person can find opportunity in crisis. Right. Right. Find the opportunity here. There is an opportunity, despite all that is happening. There is an opportunity here for you. What is that? How are you going to use this time? Are you gonna do? You can choose to dwell on it, and be bummed about it, be sad about it, be miserable mm-hmm. about it, or you can use this the best way that you can and find opportunity and reboot yourself. And you're right. You're detoxing your life because we're stepping away from all the the noise and chatter of the different things we, we were doing in life and you're not doing them anymore. And now you're going to come back into your life and you can look at your routine and say, was this routine working for me? And I bet a lot right. of people like, you know, maybe I was wasting money here or maybe this wasn't good for me or that. You, you get to remove yourself and now you're going to go back in and just all, all I'm going to say is when you introduce your, when we get introduced back into the world, be selective about what you go back into. And if you had any bad habits, don't reintroduce them. Keep them out. Right, right. I mean, and and yeah. So so I guess um, I guess one of the things that I that I, I would ask you, and I know that this is different for everybody, but and I know you've given me some examples. But what what habits should we try to be cultivating in order to become like? What should we be? What should we? I think some people out there are like, oh, I thought I was a resilient person until this happened. How can we be training ourselves and start to make those choices to become more resilient and walk out of this as a resilient person? I think I talk about this a lot in my book. There's a lot of it is Mm self-assessment, really knowing yourself and being able to, when things happen, to take accountability and just be like, and when I say accountability, like, don't take blame, just take ownership of a problem and say, okay, I have this problem. What is going on? And looking at how you solve problems. Are you that person who lays blame on everybody else, on everything else? Because if that is happening to you, then you are living in the wrong mindset. Right. You're li- you're living in a, in a, in a in a space where you have no power. You're not giving yourself power because when you blame external factors, other people, other situations, what you're saying is I have no power to change my right. problem because right. this person or situation is causing it, I have no power. Rather than saying, okay, where can I find power? And there are choices that you can do. But resilience and strength are all the incremental things we can do. It can, it's also confidence, being confident in ourselves, in, in who we are, and how do we build upon that. And I, I do talk about a lot of different strategies in the book. I, I, I split the book up in three into three parts, and it's really actually about, it's almost like a manual. I was mm-hmm. like, I 
I was able to go through like four, I went through four training academies and I was around some of the bravest, most brilliant person, people. And I took everything I learned from those people that helped me in life. Cause I was just like everybody else. I was like an, an average Jane. And how did I, 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 I was taught this. I absorbed this from other people and I took all the different skills and strategies that I learned from others and I put them in this book and I said, here, you don't have to go through secret service training or federal law enforcement training or the Department of Polygraph Institute or the NYPD because I went through the NYPD Academy. You don't have to go in the White House or be around presidents. I have it all in here for you. And I, the way I looked at being resilient and I broke it down was into three parts. I did protection, reading people, and then the third part is influence. Hmm. So the, the protection was we all want to protect ourselves physically in a sense, right? the physical part of it from danger and all that. But then I added this extra element in there about mental protecting ourselves mentally and emotionally from people, from situations. How do you create mental resilience? How do you put space between you and a problem or problematic people? How do you manage those people or situations? Can you keep them out? If you can't keep them out, how do you deal with them when they enter into your life? And how do you alter your mindset? Let's say if you get stuck in that that mindset of blaming others, of being in that deep, dark hole, how do you pull yourself out of that? So that was the first element part of the book, that first part. The second part, there's power in reading other people. There's power in connecting with others and understanding the human being across from us because we're constantly trying to figure out what does this person think of me? What does my boss think? Mm. Does this person like me? Do they not like me? Are they, do they mean me harm? Do they not mean me harm? And this is where having a good understanding of people. So I do a whole section on body language, reading people, listening to the verbal language people use, uh, sentences or phrases or key words that should elicit red flags when you hear them and how you should how you should listen to people, how you should take them in. And then also how do people read you? Because it's a 50-50 thing, right? We're always focused on I have to read this person, but you know what? What are you putting out into the world about who you are and how are they sizing you up? two-way street mm -hmm. and so that is part two of the book um and it's all the strategies and nuances and skills i mean it's an art i learned all of that through polygraph training because i was an interrogator and interviewer and i put that in the book it's like hey you can read people too and you should because it's going to make you better at understanding who means you well who doesn't mean you well because even good people even good people can hurt us and so right. you just want to you want to be able to catch those red flags and then the third part is influence. So it has to do with really how to influence people and situations. So look, life is hard enough. So how do we make it a little bit easier for us? How do we deal with people who are maybe combative or confrontational, who don't want to speak to us? How do we get them to see things from a different perspective? How can we, how can we get them to see our perspective? And really the way it works is for you to see theirs and mm -hmm. talk to them in a way that they understand. And we, there's different strategies like mirroring or adaptability, accountability, like actually science-based strategies that have been researched over the years that the best negotiators use in the world. And this stuff, these skills will help you not only be good in business or in, in your professional career, but also in your relationships with your loved ones. I use this stuff all the time on my husband. And we're so mad. <laughs> Dangerous. <laughs> but it's powerful and it's not... You know, it's not about, it's about who does not want to be a better communicator because when you're a better communicator and people feel that you understand them and they, they want to talk to you, they want to date you, they want to marry you, they want to work with you, 
They want to they be around you. And that's the person we want to ultimately try to become because then people feel connected to us. And then by proxy, from again, going back to a selfish perspective, you end up getting what you want, whether it's a job, whether it's a business deal, whether it's a negotiation, whatever it is. And, and, and yes, yes, amen. Um, and because and because you feel safe, because you know how to protect yourself, and because you know how to read people, and because you know how to um, understand like each one. I feel like uh, each one builds a uh, a layer onto the other one. So if if you're comfortable protecting yourself, well, then you feel safe enough to look outwardly and read the other person. And if you feel safe and you can read the other person, well, now you put yourself in the best possible position to perceive the situation to best influence your surroundings in a positive way. And all of that together allows you to live fearlessly, which I, I, are the four subtitles of your book and, and, and the three, three, three sections. But I love how they all come together. You do have a whole section on how to become a, a, a human lie detector. And I feel like uh, I feel like we would have you back and just talk about that. But what is like one quick way to know if somebody is lying around you? Uh, I can't the- tell you because there is no <laughs> there is no one quick way. You know, it's it's like I would you know people ask me like give me the top three things that right. I should look for. Right. But there are so many indicators, and this is the thing. This is why it gets dangerous. And I think sometimes there's people out there and they sell like this gimmicky stuff, like oh if they look up and to the left they're all lying. This is why it's a problem. We are we are all so unique. Mm-hmm. We're also different. We all grew up, you know, we had different parents. We were nurtured a different way. Our socioeconomic background affects us, our background, our nationality, how we grew up, where we grew up, all these things, our biology, our chemistry. So the way I process something and the way you process something is going to be completely different. And right. that's why it's dangerous. That's why when they say you see that stuff like, oh, he scratched his head when I asked him this question. I'm like, all right, well, was he scratching his head the whole time? Does he normally scratch his head? There, there's so many nuances. And the big part of the human lie detector part of the book is assessing someone, taking time to assess them and read them, whether their nuances, their behavior, who they are when they're, when they're relaxed, and then looking at any differences that happen in their behavior mm. when they are you are talking about something they're uncomfortable with. Like what shifted, what changed? Mm. And again, just because somebody does something, let's say, you're having a conversation with someone the whole time they're looking at you in the eyes. You ask them, you ask your spouse, hey, what'd you do last night? Last night <laughs> you, were, you were out of town and they look away. You may be like, wait a minute. I yeah. asked her what she did last night. She looked away. Why did she look away? Right, right. Yeah. So when that moment happens, that's when you have to say, okay, this is different. They were looking at me the whole time. Now they shifted. Is she trying to remember? Because her looking away could be her trying to remember. Because mm-hmm. some people... When you ask them a question about memory where they have to recall something, their eyes may shift to, to do the recall. So it's about assessing the different patterns that they do. But if she, her eyes shift, you can change the conversation. She'll answer your question. See how she answers the question. Does she answer the question? And then you can go back to that topic later and see if you bring up what they did the night before again, does their body language change or shift? Does the verbal language change or shift? I really go into such detail in the book but I think the one big key takeaway is we are all different. Hmm. Don't pe- put people in boxes. You can't, you can't simplify a human being and be like, everybody's going to react this way. That right. is the most ignorant thing that exists. And it's one of the, the, the myths that people are taught. And they're, very, they're like gimmicks. And that is not what the legit true negotiators use, the real negotiators. It's yeah. about paying attention 
to people. And I feel like, again, you know, all of, all of your advice involves a lot of self-reflection and, um, and a lot of time and attention to the things that you want to improve. And that, uh, and that for a lot of people, uh, are used to, I think, feel really daunting, but I think now we have a lot of time and we're already figuring, doing a lot of work on ourselves and what a great time to start to put in that time and attention. Um, what, what better time than right now to start putting well, in a time? Like, it goes back to what you said earlier. They're not daunting. They're small little things. It's, right. it's, it's layer upon layer upon layer. And the, the book is written, I called it Becoming Bulletproof. Initially, everyone's like, you have to call it fearless. And I was like, I will not call it fearless because there's no such thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. There's nobody that's fearless. I worked with, uh, with some of the bravest human beings out there. None of them were void of fear. Right. Neither am I. So I'm not calling that that because I'm creating a myth for people to achieve something that does not exist. And then when people are afraid, they're going to be like, what's wrong with me? I'm mm-hmm. afraid there's something wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. It is normal. But I did. I wanted to call it becoming bulletproof because I, I used to wear bulletproof vest all the time. And the bulletproof vest is actually made out of thin layers of fabric. And when you lay upon all the little, it's called Kevlar. When you put together the Kevlar layer upon layer upon layer, that makes the bulletproof vest. That's what makes it is thick, thick fabric. It's fabric, but it now becomes a thick fabric that can actually stop a bullet. Mm-hmm. And that is how the book is designed. It's all the little things, chapter upon chapter upon chapter. And when you implement these things over a period of time, because it's meant to be done over a period of time, then you become that resilient person. You become that bulletproof person. But at the same time, I also called it becoming bulletproof because the bulletproof vest we wore it only covered a portion of my body. It doesn't cover your arms or your mm-hmm. legs or your head. And being bulletproof also means being okay with your vulnerabilities and saying, I know my arms are exposed. I know, I know my legs are exposed and my head's exposed, but I'm doing what I can to, to protect myself. I may not be unstoppable, but I can be harder to stop. And being okay with that. We have to be okay with our vulnerabilities and be like, all right, I know every day I put on my vest, I was like, all right, I know today I might get shot and they might shoot me somewhere where my vest can't protect me. And that's okay. Mm. We have to be okay with our vulnerabilities as well and not look at them like there's something wrong with them. They exist. It's okay. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I could honestly listen to listen to you talk for hours. The book uh, we mentioned it a bunch of times, Becoming Bulletproof, available wherever better books are sold. Uh, link to where you can buy it uh, will be in the show notes. Uh, Evie, I, 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 I would love to have you on again at some point and to keep diving in into this concept because I just think it's, I think you're amazing and I think it's so powerful. So um, we'll have well, to- Well, I'll have give you a polygraph on the next one. Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> we'll do a polygraph. <laughs> oh man, that sounds that sounds terrifying. But yeah, sure, I, I'm into it. That's good, that's good tape. Uh, I, there's two questions I have left that I ask to everybody. First and foremost, uh, where can people follow up with you? Um, they can follow me on social media or on my website. But if you just Google Evie, E-V-Y, Pomperas, P-O-U-M-P-O-U-R-A-S. I'll put a link to Evie's social in the show notes uh, and, and your website as well. And one last question, and I ask this one to everybody. What is one thing, uh, aside from buying your book, that we can start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better? I think it be grateful for what you have. Mm. Mm. Just say thank you for what you have. That's how you start. Just say thank you for what you do have. You know, that's a, um, the, that is a common answer that I get from people uh, who, no matter what stage of life or no matter what 
what their what their focus is on research that the the idea of of always starting with gratefulness is is if i had to like draw averages of the stuff that i've learned in hosting the show that that's like that's right at the top is spending a, a good amount of your time every day figuring out what you're grateful for and looking for things to be grateful for as you as you go through your day is is huge i think it changes your the your, the psychological mindset that you have mm-hmm. you're either a person who sees the opportunities that exist or the voids that exist mm. and you choose who you want to be and that really sets the tone for what kind of life you're going to live right yeah, and I and I my hope is that we all become opportunity uh, seekers, and and that we don't allow ourselves to be, get sucked into this void. So, uh, Evie, thank you so much for your time, and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Thank you so much. Be well and stay safe. That's it for our show today. Please go ahead and visit Evie in all of the links below. All of her, buy her book. Uh, check out her social. If you want to follow up with us, Facebook.com/slash John Tash is where we spend most of the time. We go live there all the time. We are we are there showing off uh, all kinds of stuff that we are doing. Also, John is on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL. He's also on Twitter at John Tesh. I am Gib Gerard. You can find me at Facebook.com slash Gib Gerard or at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. I try to respond to every DM and message, every suggestion you guys have for, for a... Uh, for a guest on the show or a topic I try to listen to. Also, if you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us out a lot. Wherever you're listening right now, subscribe. Helps us out a ton. Also, uh, share this with a friend if they need to hear it because uh, we can't keep doing this if you guys don't listen because we do this show for you. So thank you so much for listening.